Well, friends, thanks for joining us today. Uh, and if you're joining us with our first time, we're continuing on in our series from the Gospel of Mark called Servant King as we look at who Jesus is and what he's come to do and why that matters for us. That's what we'll be continuing on today. And we're up to Mark chapter 5. Now, I had to sort out my life insurance recently. My life insurance. And I've never really thought about this sort of stuff, uh, which is why I was talking to a financial advisor who makes me aware of these sorts of things. And I was sorting out my life insurance, and he started asking me uh, questions and telling me things, and he started saying things like this. Um, we'll need this, I think I'll suggest this certain amount of cover because um, if you die, then Li Ching will need enough money to support the family, pay off the house, um, you know, make sure the kids are okay. And as we were having this conversation, it was just such an odd conversation because death it was not something that I think about a lot. Um, but all of a sudden, death was on the agenda and it was very, very in your face. It was, it was right there. I had to face that reality and think about what, what happens. What happens if I die? What will happen to my wife? What will happen to my kids? What will happen to the church? What, what, if death comes knocking, what will happen? And for many of us, Death is not something we think about very much. It's not on the agenda. It's not something that, it's not a comfortable topic. It's a bit of a taboo topic, in fact. We don't, as we go to our workplaces and schools, it's not something that you raise all the time and just have casual chats over. Death is something that we avoid talking about. But not talking about it doesn't make the reality of death go away, does it, friends? Death is looming. Death is around us, and it's something that we're faced with each day all around us. Um, I was particularly this week, I think, as I was preparing for this message, I think God was really faced me up to this reality. Um, you know, as, as I was reading through the news earlier this week, I don't know if you saw, um, I was reading through the news and uh, another shooting in America, in Jacksonville, USA. Um, two people dead, 10 injured at a gaming tournament. Um, someone just disgruntled and just killing and I thought to myself, not again. I don't know if you think that when you read of another shooting in America. I thought, not again. Not another situation where innocent lives are lost. And on this Father's Day as well, I was, I was reminded about this because um, my friend, a good friend of mine, he posted up on his Facebook feed in memory of his daughter, uh, who's actually my goddaughter, uh, who died as a baby, uh, just a few hours old last year. And I remember holding her body in my arms and grieving over that. And I was reminded about the reality of death. And at these moments where you're faced with death and it's a stark reality, you, I don't know if you've ever thought to yourself, what is God doing? What's going on here? Why doesn't God do something about death? Doesn't he care? Have you ever thought that to yourself? Well, friends, today we'll be looking at our passage and we'll be thinking about this issue of death. And there'll be three parts to it. Can Jesus deal with death? That's our first thing we'll be asking. Does Jesus even care? And number three is how can we deal with death? And that's what we'll be looking at today. Our friends, just to give you a bit of context of what we've been doing, last week we saw that Jesus uh, had 
some amazing authority, right? If you remember, amazing authority over nature, over demons. And uh, his, his authority was so fearsome that when he had actually cast out a whole army of demons, the people in that region just said, get out. Jesus, we can't, we can't handle this. They didn't know how to deal with this power, so they sent Jesus away. So Jesus is on this uh, other side of the Sea of Galilee, the Gentile side, and they've sent him away, so he's crossed back over the sea, and he's home back to the side where the Jewish people are. And as he comes back over to the shore, there's a huge crowd gathered to meet him, to welcome him. And this is where we put, pick up our narrative today. Now, there's a huge crowd gathered there to see Jesus, and amongst the crowd is a certain man. His name is Jairus. Now, Jairus is a leader of the synagogue. Who's, uh, the synagogue's a, the place of Jewish worship, uh, religious practice. Um, so he's a highly respected figure, you know, a high figure in society. But Jairus, what does Jairus do? He pushes through the crowd. He comes to Jesus. He falls down on his knees at Jesus' feet. And he says this to Jesus. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Now, on this Father's Day, um, I'm sure all the fathers, all the parents will be able to relate to this feeling. Can, you know the desperation that comes when your child is sick and you can't do anything about that? Can you imagine your child on the verge of death and the desperation that this man must have been feeling? And he comes to Jesus in desperation, pleading with Jesus. And here Jesus is faced with death, a child on the verge of death. What will Jesus do? Well, the big question is, can Jesus actually do anything about it? Can he? Well, Jairus is confident that he can, which is why he comes in faith. And we should be confident too, because we've seen in the narrative so far, Jesus healing, healing, and healing. He's bringing people back from sickness to, to hell. So we should be confident that this can happen. All right, so Jesus goes along. Jairus is having faith that Jesus can do this. And they go on their mission to see this little girl and to heal her before she dies. We need to get there. But as they go along, there's a massive crowd all around them. And Jesus is trying to push through to get to this little girl. There's urgency here. And amongst the crowd is a woman. And this is a woman who is afflicted and sick and suffering. A woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. A woman who probably had some sort of menstrual disorder. She's been to every single doctor that she can, spent every single penny that she has to try and get better, but she's not getting better. She's getting worse, and she's in poverty. And to top things off, uh, back then, uh, the, this bleeding was a sign of impurity, a sign of Jewish uh, uncleanness, ritual impurity. So she would have been shunned by society, so this is a woman on, on the outskirts of society, penniless and suffering on the verge of death. And she needs help. If there's anyone that needs help, this is a woman that needs help. And she sees Jesus and she thinks to herself, if, if, I, if I could only just touch his clothes, I know I'll be better. I just know it. So she pushes through the crowd, pushes through the crowd, just reaches out her hand just to touch the bottom of Jesus' cloak. And verse 29 says this, Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Immediately, just like that, the power of Jesus to heal. But Jesus, he's walking and he, he turns around and he, he actually 
He notices power has gone out from him. He says, who touched me? Who was it that touched me? And the disciples, they're talking about themselves and they're thinking, are you serious, Jesus? We're, we're in a massive crowd. There's people everywhere around you and you're wondering, who's, who's Jesus, don't worry about it. Let's go. There's people everywhere. And you can imagine Jairus at this point. He's not mentioned at this point. But can you imagine Jairus at this point? He's thinking, Jesus, don't worry about it. My daughter is dying. We need to go. There's urgency here. She's not going to live much longer. But Jesus keeps looking. Who, who touched me? Who was it that touched me? And this woman, she pushes through the crowd. She comes before Jesus, trembling in fear. That's what the text tells us. Trembling in fear. Probably fearful of the rebuke that she's going to get. Maybe even some punishment, perhaps. But this is what Jesus says to her. Verse 34, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And she goes in peace. But even as Jesus is giving this good news, the good news is soured. The events take a turn because some men from Jairus' house, they come from Jairus' house, they come to him, and they say these words which destroy his life. Your daughter is dead. Do you feel the weight of those words? This man who's rushing, trying to get Jesus there to heal his daughter, and all of a sudden he hears this news. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Can you feel the hopelessness of these words? The devastation. Like, I can't imagine what Jairus is feeling at this point. But can you, the devastation, the sadness, the overwhelming defeat that comes at these words. With death. The reality of death. But Jesus, he turns to Jairus and he says this to him. Don't be afraid. Just believe just believe. Now Jairus has come to Jesus in faith, hasn't he? At the start of this narrative. He's come, he knows that Jesus can heal, he trusts that Jesus can heal. He's saying, Jesus, come along with me, come heal my daughter. He has faith in Jesus, but here, Jesus is calling on a faith that's on a completely different level. He's calling on an intense faith, a trust that Jesus can not only just heal someone, but that he can bring someone back from the dead. Death, this enemy that no one can beat. All of a sudden, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Just believe me. I can do something about this. Can Jesus overcome death? Well, Jairus believes. And they go to the house. And outside the house, there's a huge commotion. There's mourners everywhere in the traditional Jewish tradition. There's no doubt about it. This girl is dead. Everyone's crying and mourning. But Jesus enters the house. And he says this, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. And you know what everyone does? Everyone in the house, their mourning turns to laughter. They laugh in Jesus' face. And they think, what is this guy talking about? This girl is dead. There's no hope for her at all. It's outrageous. It's a ridiculous statement. It is laughable in one sense. If someone comes in and says, don't worry. Don't worry about this whole death thing. They're laughing. It's outrageous. But Jesus ignores them. 
He sends everyone out, in fact, except for the parents of the children, brings them into the inner room. He takes the little child by the hand, this little girl, and he says to her, Talitha kum, which is Aramaic, and it means little girl, rise. And this little girl rises. She walks around the room. Jesus asks her parents to get some food for her. And everyone here is utterly astonished. That's what it says, completely astonished. And that's got to be the understatement of the century, right? If you've just seen someone raise someone from the dead, completely astonished, that's just starting to describe what you're seeing here. Jesus Christ has just overcome death itself. We've seen him do amazing things before, right? We've seen him heal. We've seen him have authority over nature and demons. But this, this is next level. This is on another level. We've never seen anything like this before. Jesus has just defeated death. He's overcome death. And this episode shows his amazing authority, what he can do. That Jesus can deal with death. And as Jesus raises this girl from the dead, all the people around him, uh, they're all faithful Jews, they know the Old Testament scriptures, they're, they're thinking about Old Testament prophecy, they're thinking about all the things that are framing the coming of the Messiah, and they're thinking about this verse from Isaiah 25. Um, oh, sorry. Before we get there, we'll talk about this. Because what we have to realize before we get here is that um, for all of us, we can't escape death. Jesus has overcome death here, but the reality that we face here is that we can't actually overcome death, can we? Death is the thing that always wins. There's not many sure things in life, but there is one sure thing for us, that we will all die. We will all die. I was reading um, a dictionary, as I do, for fun. The Dictionary of Biblical Imagery, uh, which is quite helpful in thinking about some of the images and themes of the Bible. And it had this description of death, which I just want to share with you. It's very apt. Death is the greatest of humankind's enemies, a relentless grim reaper that shows no respect for age or wealth. It robs parents of a precious child, leaving them to mourn their loss for the rest of their lives. It deprives wives and children of their breadwinner and protector, leaving them vulnerable in a hostile world. It takes away an aging spouse, leaving a grey-haired senior citizen without a lifelong companion and closest friend. It uses a variety of methods and weapons, but only rarely does it capture its prey without inflicting terror and pain. Power, beauty, and wrath can usually overcome any obstacle, but in death, they meet their match. You see what that quote's saying? That death is so powerful that it beats everything. Everything. No one can beat death. No one can come up against death and win. It doesn't matter who you are. But here, Jesus does. He beats death. He takes death head on and he wins. Because Jesus overcomes death. He overcomes death. And we'll get back to Isaiah prophecy now. As people saw this, they were thinking about all this prophecy in the Old Testament, thinking about all the stuff that they've been learning before. And here's a passage from Isaiah, a prophet called Isaiah, Isaiah 25. 
It says this, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine. This is talking about the future kingdom reality to come. If you're at the Sam Chan event, this might sound a little bit familiar. Yeah, it's a celebration. Rich food. A banquet of aged wine. This is the reality to come. Celebration. Joy. The kingdom of God coming in its fullness. This is what Isaiah is talking about. This is what will happen. The best of meats, the finest of wines... On this mountain, he'll destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And friends, as we read this prophecy, and everyone's thinking, who's watching this event, they're thinking, wow, this... With the future reality is that death will be defeated, but we're seeing a little bit of that right now. Jesus comes, he proclaims the kingdom of God, and he brings in the kingdom of God. And here, as he heals, he doesn't just heal, he raises this little girl from the dead. He's showing a preview of the kingdom of God to come. The new creation, where there will be no more death, death will not win. That's what Jesus is proclaiming, a little preview with this one little girl being raised from the dead. And Jesus is showing something, that he is the king of this new kingdom. That he has the power and the authority to overcome death itself. But if that's the case, why isn't Jesus doing something about death right now? If Jesus has the power to overcome death, it's all well and good for us to think about these abstract realities. Jesus is powerful, he can overcome death, but that doesn't really help me when I'm facing death each and every day, when there's death all around us, when we hear on the news that innocent people are dying, when our friends and family members are slowly dying around us. That doesn't really help me, does it? Why isn't Jesus doing something about it? Does Jesus even care? If he's got the power to do it, then why doesn't he do something about it right now? Well, let me tell you, this question that some of us might be asking ourselves is not an uncommon question, and it's an age-old question, isn't it? Because if you remember the disciples uh, last week, we saw on the boat as they were crossing the sea and this storm is facing them, they're just about to die. They're about to drown because of this fierce storm. Remember the question that they asked? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care, Jesus, that we are dying? This is the question the disciples asked. Obviously, they had a very specific context. They're facing death in the face of a storm. But for many of us, we resonate with that question, right? When we face death, don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care that we are dying? Well, let me tell you something. Jesus cares. Jesus cares so much that we die that he comes to die for us. He cares so much that we die that he comes to die for us. Because friends, you know what? The problem of death is a problem of sin. Sin is in this world. Our rebellion, our rejection of God, you know what that does? It cuts us off from the life giver, the one who's the creator, the one who gives life itself. So we die. You understand that? As we reject God, death is a consequence of our rejection and rebellion of God. It's a consequence of that. 
the, the, the shame and dishonor we bring God in our rejection, it can only be paid for by death. Right? And that death is a physical death here, but it's also eternal death, the suffering, the punishment that comes under God's just wrath. Friends, this is the core of the problem of death, the problem of sin. You know what Jesus does? He comes down and he steps into our place and he takes that death for us. He dies on the cross so that we don't have to. That's what Jesus comes to do. He defeats death. And as he deals with the problem of sin, friends, by taking our sins on the cross, he deals with the problem of death once and for all. How do we know this? Romans 6 9 says this, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Sometimes we undervalue um, the resurrection of Jesus. We talk about the death of resurrection quite a lot. Pays for our debt, pay for our sins. Resurrection is just a bit of a post note. Yeah, he came back from the from the dead, but the resurrection is crucial. It's at the heart of the Christian faith. Because you know what the resurrection declares? Declares this. Death doesn't rule over us, but Jesus rules over death. That's what the resurrection says. Death doesn't rule over us, but Jesus rules over death. He declares that by coming back from the grave to show that death's unbeatable power is broken. It's beaten. It's defeated. It's overcome. Jesus rules over death. And friends, this is good news for us, isn't it? It's good news. Because, let me tell you something, all who are with him, he promises they will also share in new life, that they will not die, that we no longer have to live in the shadow of death, but we live in the light of life. That's what Jesus promises. Now, I'm not saying that Christians won't die anymore. Like, you know this is not true. Christians all around us, we, we still die in this world. But Jesus is bringing life on a new level, a whole new level, eternal life, eternal life. The new heavens, the new earth, the kingdom of God that will last forever, joy and celebration, eternity, life with our Father, life with our King Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus promises. This is the life that he gives. That's what he's promising. Because Jesus' resurrection from the dead, never to die again, right? His raising, his bodily resurrection from the dead, never to die again, is a guarantee that we who are with him will also raise from the dead, never to die again, if we are with him. That's a guarantee that we have. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 to 57 says this, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That's the Isaiah prophecy. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what will happen on that final day? We will inherit perfect, imperishable bodies, glorious bodies in the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will never die again if we are with Jesus Christ. 
This is the promise that is to come, and we will rejoice and celebrate for all eternity with our King and our Father in the new kingdom of God. This is the promise. My friends, as I say these things, I wonder that how many of you actually believe that you're going to die? I mean, you know theoretically that you're going to die, but I think for many of us, we think we're invincible, right? Especially the younger amongst us. I don't know if I'll include myself in that anymore. People start calling me uncle sometimes. Um, But the younger people among us, you don't really believe that you're going to die, right? It's not something you think about. You believe that you're invincible. You can do anything, that the the world is your oyster. You've got the whole world ahead of you, right? That nothing can beat you. That's how we feel often. And even if we're a bit older, sometimes we feel like that. We're so powerful. We're so in control that death isn't going to beat us. We've got so many plans. We're going to succeed. We're going to achieve. Nothing's going to bring us down. My friends, death is one enemy that will overcome you. You might not feel that death's knocking on your door right now, but we never know when that moment will come. There is an urgency here. And we can't put it off. Death will always get us in the end. It doesn't matter how much organic food you eat, how much cow you have. It doesn't matter how many anti-aging products that you use on your face. It doesn't matter how many hours you spend in the gym. I'm talking to all you boys over here. No. <laughs> These things are good, you know. We keep our health. That's great. Taking care of our bodies. But guess what? They're just putting off something. They're putting off the inevitable reality that death will catch us. Death will catch us. Which is why we do need to ask this question. How can we deal with death? We've sort of seen this two things so far, that Jesus has the power and authority over death. He can deal with it. He even cares enough to do something about it. He comes to die on the cross. But how can we deal with death? How can we be a part of what Jesus brings? Right? How can we be a part of that reality, be connected up to that new life that Jesus brings? It's no use knowing about these things, that Jesus is powerful and that he cares, if we're all the way over here, separated from that reality. How can we be part of this new life that Jesus promises? Well, Jesus asked for just one thing, and one thing only. And that's faith. Faith. John 5, 24 says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. See, what Jesus promises is that all those who believe, all those who trust, will have new life. Faith is the key. We saw this in our story today, in our narrative today. We saw uh, this woman, or we saw Jairus coming first, having faith that Jesus could heal his child. We saw this woman coming to uh, Jesus, having faith that Jesus could heal her. And then we saw Jairus having this incredible faith and believing that Jesus could even bring back his child from the dead. And faith is at the heart of all these stories. This is why this narrative is here. To show us that faith is the key to life. That faith is the key for death to be defeated. What Jesus is calling on us to do is to trust in Him. To trust that He is able to defeat death. To trust that He cares enough to do something about that for us. To depend on Him and Him alone. 
And friends, in one sense, this shouldn't be that hard because this is one area we know we can't do anything about. We have to depend on Jesus because we are powerless in the face of death, aren't we? Powerless. And this is what Jesus calls on. Faith. Real faith. And let me tell you something. Real faith brings real hope. I don't know if you've um, ever been to a funeral before, um, but I hope you haven't had to have too many experiences like that. And death, death is this fearsome thing, isn't it? Like when I was thinking about the message last week about what do we fear? You know what's consistently on those lists of fears, on every article of top fears for humans? It's, it's death. Death is a fearsome reality. Um, and normally at a funeral, uh, there's a part of the funeral called a eulogy where uh, the people talk about the recently deceased. And almost without fail, every eulogy will, go, will end with a line like this. They're in a better place now. He's doing what he loves. He's probably playing golf or fishing. Or, or she's looking down on us right now. And that's what every eulogy ends with. And let me tell you, that's what every eulogy ends with, whether you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what faith you are. Because inside of us, inherent in all of us, is this longing. It's this desire to find hope where there is no hope. Where death, where death is there. Right? We, we long. There's this inherent desire that there must be something more. The only place we can find hope in the face of death is thinking that there's actually something more, right? To look forward, that death, to, otherwise we're just admitting that death wins. And we need hope to keep going. And we need real hope. That's what we all desire, don't we, inside of us? Hope. But let me tell you something. That hope is available. And real hope comes with real faith. As Jesus calls on us to trust in him, to have faith in him, it's a guarantee. It's an assurance of new life that will never perish. It's a guarantee that death will never have its hold on us ever again. It's a guarantee that he's our powerful saviour who will keep us till the end. It's assurance and comfort that surpasses all else. That comes when we trust in him. A hope that this life is not all there is. That death won't win in the end. Friends, this is what Jesus is calling us to. To trust in him so we can have real and lasting hope. Let me finish by just telling you a story about one of my friends. Um, he went to Bible college with me down in Sydney, more Theological College. He was a few years ahead of me. Um, and Recently, his wife died. She was only in her 40s. Uh, she leaves behind four children. And it's a tragedy. There's no mincing words about this. It's a tragedy. The sadness that he feels, and even, I can't imagine what he feels, but even we as friends feel, Leeching knows her quite well. You can't describe it. It's devastation, it's sadness, it's utter hopelessness. 
in the face of death, except in this case, because she was a woman that trusted Jesus with all her heart. There's no doubting that. Which means that hopelessness doesn't rule over us. But there is hope. There is hope. My friend, he posted a message on Facebook earlier this week just remembering her. And it was such a sad message, it brought me to tears. But he ended this Facebook post with this verse. Psalm 33, 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Friends, real hope in the face of death is available. It is available. And that comes with real faith in Jesus Christ. Will you trust in him? Let me pray. Father God, as we face the reality of death in this life, we're just reminded about the brokenness of this world, that things are not as it should be. The pain and the suffering and the sadness that comes with death, this is not right, Father. And we thank you that you have done something about this, that Christ comes to defeat death and he allows us to be part of this new eternal life and he calls us to faith in him, to have real hope. And we pray that you will awaken our eyes to see the reality of death, to help us not to see Help us not to uh, be ignorant of the fact that we all face this and we need to get right with you. Please wake us up, Father, and help us to come to Jesus Christ, the only one who can help us in the face of death. And we do thank you for the hope, lasting, real, genuine hope that he brings. May we keep trusting him each and every day till the end. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.